بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وكفى وسلاما على عباده الذين اصطفى ما بعد بليز كم كلوزر ان شاء الله so yesterday we spoke about surah al-mu'minun alhamdulillah then the next surah that starts is surah uh, yesterday we spoke about surah al-mu'minun and after al-mu'minun comes surah an-nur Surah number 24 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins the surah by saying Suratun anzalnaha wa faradnaha wa anzalna fiha ayatin bayyinatin la'allakum tadakkaroon This is a surah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed different ahkam and injunctions amongst them uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the punishments for fornication and adultery Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that these are such heinous crimes the punishment of which azania to azani fajlidu kull wahid minhuma 100 jilda that they would be lashed 100 lashes wala ta'khudhukum bihima ra'fatun fi dinillah and then when it comes to implementing the order of allah then let it not be that your you begin to develop a soft corner for this if you believe in allah in the day of judgment you must implement this order of allah all of these punishments that are there the hudud they are conditioned with the fact that there is a genuine uh, Khalifa, Amin al-Mu'mineen, and there is Islamic government, not to take the law into our own hands. This is not permissible to implement on one's own. There is no uh, vigilante justice in Islam where we take the law into our own hands. But the fact that these ayats are there, I was just going over it to show how severe this crime is in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the, the sin of, of falsely accusing somebody, of, of slander, of attacking their honor by uh, alleging they committed a, a crime of this nature, of uh, an a indecent crime, a crime of um, an, an adulterous crime. Somebody uh, attacks someone's honor in this manner by slandering them, then that is a specific punishment for that as well. Allah ta'ala says, Whoever slanders somebody regarding this type of crime and they do not have four witnesses, then they will be lashed 80 lashes. That is how important it is for us to, uh, I mean the lesson from this we realize is how important it is to maintain the honor of a Muslim and not to slander anyone. Like additionally, their testimony will never be accepted in a court of law. After this fact, after they have been, I mean, the sentencing has go through for this crime. This is known as qadaf, haddul qadaf, for attacking someone's honor. They are the sinners. Unless they make tawbah, وَأَصْلَحُوا and they reform themselves. فَإِنَّ اللَّهُ فُرْهِمُ اللَّهِ is forgiving merciful. So to bring four witnesses. Sa'ad radiallahu anhu said, Ya Rasulullah, if, if someone sees his own family involved in this crime, are they going to go call three more people? How is that possible? Then Rasulullah said, I do not have an, any, any revelation about that. It seems so far that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if anyone sees anyone committing this type of crime, uh, an extramarital uh, affair crime, then they must uh, be four witnesses. If there's just one witness, they speak out, then they would be lashed. They, should, they must remain silent. So if there's one, and then you're not supposed to call other people either. So the way it's set up, it's, it's very, very difficult to, for it to happen in real life where four people on their own end up, four men end up seeing the crime in progress. Uh, so if, um, if one person speaks up or two or three, then they will all be lashed until they are four. They're not even allowed to speak about it. 
It's haram to mention it to anyone. And uh, after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, so this was the uh, question of Sa'ad radiallahu anhu. There was no response from Rasulullah Shortly after that, ayat number 6 was revealed. If someone accuses their own spouse of this crime, and there are no other witnesses besides themselves, and then there is a specific process for this, it's called li'an. And what that means is, is, this is an interesting masala where the whole detail of it is right in the ayah itself, without even needing to go into the hadith. فَشَهَادَةُ أَحَدِيمْ أَرْبَعُ شَهَادَاتٍ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّهُ لَمِنَ الصَّادِقِينَ Then the male who is making the accusation, for example in this case on the female, he will take four times the oath. Billah, I swear by Allah, إِنَّهُ لَمِنَ الصَّادِقِينَ That I am truthful in this allegation. So he says, Wallahi, I am true in this claim, in my allegation that she committed this crime. Wallahi, he says it four times. So the four times he says it, will take the place of four witnesses. So after he does that, now the ball goes into the court of the woman, or the fifth one, sorry, fifth time. The fifth time he will take the oath that may the curse of Allah descend upon me if I am lying. So four times you'll say, Wallahi, I'm, I'm truthful in my allegation about this, what I saw. Wallahi, I'm truthful about this, what I saw. Four times in, the, in front of the judge. Wal-Khamisa, and then the fifth time he will say, Anna la'anatullahi alayhi, may the curse of Allah be upon me, in kana min al if I'm lying. So after that, when he goes to the woman, if she, she, if she remains silent, then the punishment of zina will be implemented on her. But if she uh, um, has an opportunity to respond, she does have a chance. What is that? She can deflect the implementation of the had on herself uh, if she in turn has the five oaths. First four, antashada arba'a shahadatin billah, ayah number eight, that she testifies four times, billah, billah, by Allah, innahu lamin al-kathibin, that he's lying in what he alleged. Wallahi, billahi, he's lying when he, the, uh, what he alleged. Billahi, he's lying in what he alleged. F- four times. Wal-khamisa, in the fifth time, anna ghadab Allahi alayha, may the anger of Allah descend upon me, in kana min al-sadiqeen, if he is truthful. So in the time of Rasulullah this happened. And um, there was a man and, and his wife, and he uh, made this claim. And he took the oaths, and then, Rasulullah asked the, uh, the wife, do you want to take the oaths back in response? And she hesitated. Then Rasulullah said, look, be careful, because depending on what you're saying, that's how Allah Ta'ala's anger is going to descend on you by taking the name of Allah and you're lying. So she thought for a few moments, and then she said, no, I'm ready for it. No. Then she went ahead and she took all the oaths. After the li'an takes place, then this is equivalent to a divorce, they are separated. The child that is born, would, the, the lineage would not go to the father and would be considered Ibn al-Um, the child of the mother. Would not inherit from the husband of the mother. This, is, this ahkam are mentioned here. After that, the reason why the, the prohibitions about allegations were mentioned is because of the incident of the ifk. That is mentioned in ayah 11 onwards. From ayah 11 onwards, uh, till, uh, this is a very long session, section. Um, all the way to like ayah 25. This was an incident with uh, Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha in the Ghazwa Banal Mustalaq when she, um, they were camping on the way back and they stopped for rest in the middle of the desert and she, they used to go far off away from the caravan to relieve themselves and when she came back then she realized that 
she had mis uh, she was missing her necklace so then she went back to search for it in the interim the order was given to move on and the servants they picked up her covered canopy which is called a hodaj and they placed it on top of her camel and she was so light that her absence was not felt and they thought she was inside and the camel stood up and and the whole caravan moved on and when she came back she saw that no one is there so then she sat down there waited she said there's no point of me going here and there and after some time passed then uh, there was a sahabi that Rasulullah had appointed to be the rear guard to check what's happening in the back and when he came he, he, he saw her lying there and she fell asleep he said inna lillahi wa inna that's the only one thing he didn't after that he didn't say how are you left behind are you okay nothing he didn't speak a single word and he made his camel sit down and she got on top and then they went and they joined the caravan in half a day the main caravan they sped up and joined them so the munafiqun na'udhu billah they had an opportunity they were always trying to attack Rasulullah so they said this was a planned rendezvous and a meeting and they created a they fabricated a whole um, scene a uh, whole um, story out of this this is known as the incident of ifk in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ifk means a grave allegation buhtan slander and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed these ayat about about this incident in the Quran to prove the innocence of Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha so Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam after this incident happened he was very uh, perturbed and he was waiting for revelation and it was a test for Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha and she was crying she took permission from Rasulullah sallallahu to go home and uh, in the beginning she didn't even know what's going on why everyone is acting different around her uh, it's a very long narration that she herself is the narrator and finally uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayah then Rasulullah took her back and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he tests people those that he loves to elevate their status so there some individuals who got caught up in this this commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of samani najalda if you wrongfully accuse someone then 80 lashes should be implemented uh, that uh, this commandment was implemented on those people who spoke Allah Ta'ala says inna ladhina ja'u bil ifki usbatum minkum those who have brought this false allegation a group amongst you um, he's telling Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha la tahsabu sharran lakum bal huwa khayrun lakum do not consider this something bad for you actually Allah has further elevated your status and forgiven your sins because of the pain you had to go through and walladhi tawalla kibrahu minhum the main culprit here kibrahu the one who took the biggest role in this was Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul the hypocrite lahu adhabun azim he will have a dreadful torment Allah Ta'ala says lawla ith sami'tumuhu dhanna al-mu'minuna wal-mu'minatu bi-anfusim khayran why was it not when the believing men and women heard such a crime uh, allegation they should have said hadha ifkum mubin this is such a grave allegation this is wrong and why, why didn't the demand for arba'ati shuda four witnesses and they started um, transmitting this among themselves, carrying this tale. And if it wasn't the fadl of Allah and rahmah upon you, لَمَسَّكُمْ فِيمَا أَفَضْتُمْ فِيهِ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ Allah Ta'ala could have directly uh, sent His dreadful torment upon you if He wished because of the enormity of your statement. You are transmitting this amongst yourself, caring, uh, talking about this uh, under your breath, murmuring these rumors amongst yourselves. You thought it was uh, not a big deal. It's something easy. 
But the honor of a Muslim is in the eyes of Allah very great indeed. What should you have done? You should have said, It does not befit us to speak like this. Subhanallah, this is a very big allegation. Allah is warning you, You better not ever return to such a crime. Those who wish that uh, obscene acts should become more prevalent amongst the believers, for them is a dreadful torment. In this dunya and the akhirah. So this is, uh, subhanAllah, a warning for us that uh, we should never speak about anyone's honor uh, and take it lightly. The honor of a believer is uh, more sacred than the Kaaba itself. So somebody says something about someone, and we don't have any evidence then carrying this information around carrying these tales or um, backbiting or slandering backbiting is when it's an actual crime and you narrate something that somebody actually did behind their back that itself is a sin that's called backbiting as ghibah and slander as bohtan is when you narrate a sin about someone which they actually never committed even it's just the whole thing is false so now if somebody commits such a sin for example then even, even that, narrating it, talking about it is sinful. That would fall under ghibah. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, Al-ghibatu ashaddu min zina Ghibah is worse than zina. We're talking about zina here. You're saying, oh, somebody did zina and you talk about it. Guess what? The hadith very clear says, Al-ghibatu ashaddu min zina The sahaba said, Qalu ya Rasulullah, kif al-ghibatu ashaddu min zina Ya Rasulullah, how can ghibah be worse than zina? The fact that it's so common and prevalent, it doesn't make a difference. It still is such a major sin. A person, if he commits zina and he makes tawbah, Allah will forgive him. The one who backbites, there is no tawbah for him until the, uh, the person he backbited forgives him. So that's the difference. There's another uh, side story with this one that uh, one of the individuals who was involved in spreading the slander, his name was Mistah. And Abu Bakr Siddiq was actually financially supporting him, was giving him a monthly stipend. And he was naturally very upset. You attacked the honor of my daughter, wife of Rasulullah and you made such a grave allegation. So he said, Wallahi, I'm never going to pay him a single cent anymore. Like literally, you're on my payroll, I'm not even in exchange for services. He wasn't an employee, he was just giving him charity every month. He was literally receiving charity from Abu Bakr Siddiq Then he took that pledge. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this ayah. Wala ayat ulul fadli minkum wa sa'a. Ayah 22. Uh, those who are the ashabul fadila, those that Allah has blessed with deen and with dunya and people of virtue in high standing in the eyes of Allah, it does not befit them uh, that they take pledges that I'm not going to support you anymore. They should forgive them and they should clean their hearts. Do you not wish that Allah should forgive you? So this ayah 22, when it was revealed, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, without a single hesitation, moment's hesitation, he immediately said, Bala Definitely, I wish Allah will forgive me. And he not only continued the stipend, he doubled it. After that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the etiquettes of entering homes. Even these minute things of the etiquette of entering someone's home are mentioned because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to protect anyone's glances falling on a non-mahram. Inadvertently, there were no lobbies or vestibules or front rooms in the homes. It used to be one, you know, like single room homes. So if you open the door, come in, that, that's your family room in the day. It's also your master bedroom at night, the same room. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, ayah 27, La tadkhulu buyutan ghayra buyutikum. Do not enter anyone's home. Hatta tasa'nisu wa tusallimu ala ahliya. Without taking permission and saying, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Dhalikum khayrun lakum. This is better for you. Just to protect inadvertently one's glance falling on that which is impermissible. فَإِلَّمْ تَجِدُوا فِيهَا أَحَدًا If no one responds back, says, وَعَلَيْمُ السَّلَامُ فَلَا تَدْخُلُوهَا Then do not enter the home. حَتَّى يُؤْذَنَ لَكُمْ Until you are granted permission. وَإِنْ قِيلُ لَكُمْ وَرْجِعُوا فَرْجِعُوا If they say, sorry, we are not available now, then you should turn back. This is, هُوَ أَسْكَى لَكُمْ More pure for you. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the famous commands in ayah number 31 about lowering the gaze. قُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ Tell the believing men يَغُضُّوا مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ That they should lower their gazes. وَيَحْفَظُوا فُرُجَمْ And guard their part. Their chastity. ذَلِكَ أَسْكَى لَهُمْ This is more pure for them. Verily Allah is fully knowing what you are doing. خَبِيرٌ بِمَا يَسْنَعُ This is ayah 30. So Allah commands the men first. Lower your gazes. Then 31. قُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنَاتِ Tell the believing women يَغْضُضُنَا مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ They should also lower their gazes. So just like it is haram for the men to look with lust, it is also for the women. Both are haram to look on each other. And then over here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lists the maharim. That they must cover their zina and their beautification. إِلَّا لِبْعُولَتِهِنَّ They are listed. Number one, their husbands. أَوَأَبَائِهِنَّ Their fathers. أَوَأَبَائِ بُعُولَتِهِنَّ Their husbands, fathers, father-in-laws. أَوَأَبْنَائِهِنَّ Their sons. أَوَأَبْنَائِ بُعُولَتِهِنَّ Their sons. Their husband's sons, meaning stepsons. O ikhwanihinna, their brothers. O bani ikhwanihinna, their brothers' sons, nephews. O bani ikhwatihinna, sisters' sons, also nephews. O nisa'ihinna, or other women. And then, awad tifilil ladhina lam yadharu, or young children, young boys, who are not reached the age of maturity. These are the maharim mentioned. So in front of them, there is no hijab, but beyond them, the hijab is an obligation. So these are very explicitly mentioned specific relations which are the mahram and the other ones are not mahram so this is not something someone came up with or some misogynistic uh, anti-woman cleric uh, you know came up with this is actually very explicitly mentioned in the Quran ayah 31 surah 24 the question is you know do we believe in the Quran or not that's what we have to determine so this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lays out very very clear straightforward Allah so um, there were many different uh, tests that came upon the believers. In one occasion, uh, in the battle of in the Futuh al-Sham against the Eastern Roman Empire, the spies, they came back to the Eastern Roman Emperor, Hiraqal, who was the Qaisar, and they said that these Muslims, they are Fursanun bil-Layl, riding their horses in the day, Fursanun bil-Nahar, Ruhbanun bil-Layl, riding their horses back in the day and riding the Musalla at night. And they are defeating us despite our numbers being three, four, five, ten times greater. Without the weapons and numbers, they're still defeating us. So he said, okay, get them involved in zina. So he sent uh, models on both sides of the road. And in a very, um, he made, undressed them and, set, and to, to get the soldiers involved in the fitna. Abu Bayd ibn al-Jarrah, he just recited this ayah once to the soldiers. قُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَغُدُّوا Command the believing men to lower their gazes. So the whole army passed with their gazes down. Not a single person looked up. And they came back to the Qaisar and said that it seems like these are not human, they're superhuman. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected the believers from that test. And, and falling into that calamity. May Allah ta'ala protect all of us and our youth as well. 
After that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, speaks about different incidents here about in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a promise to the Sahaba. Ayah 55. This is a promise from Allah for those who believe in do righteous deeds. He will grant them the sovereignty and the khilafah over the earth. So Abu Bakr, Umar, and Thuman, and Ali, عنهم, the Khulafai Rashidun, again, this is a prophecy about them. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant them khilafah and sovereignty over the earth. And Allah will strengthen the deen that He has chosen for them. The deen of Islam was strengthened in the glorious Khilafat era. Now you are in fear, the mushrikun are in power in Makkah, but this khuf will be turned into aman and safety. They are those who truly worship me without ascribing any partners. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there are more ahkam of hijab in detail about entering the homes, taking permission, things that we talked about in more detail. There's one commandment here uh, that is very interesting about the Banu Salama tribe. They felt it was always necessary to bring guests to eat. They never wanted to eat on their own. And they would be searching and searching. Some, whenever they would find a guest, only then they would have their meal. And sometimes it would just so happen that they could not find a guest. And they had made it haram upon themselves to eat a, their meal by them, uh, alone. So then they started skipping meals because they couldn't find someone to share their food with. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, Ayah 61, No, that it is not sinful if you eat alone. The reason he had to mention this is because they had considered it on themselves to be like a sin. And um, after that, Surah Al-Furqan, Furqan is a criterion distinction between truth and falsehood. This is a very beautiful surah in which um, there are many lessons. One notable story here is about Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt. He was a mushrik. And he had a caravan in which he had come back with a lot of profit. So he invited a lot of friends and leaders of the Arab tribes, Arab clans of Quraysh for a feast in which he invited Rasulullah as well. Nabi came there, but then he said that um, I will and not partake the meal until you recite the kalima. So he felt bad. This was against the Arab hospitality if a guest leaves without eating. So just to please Rasulullah he recited the kalima. But his best friend, he found out about that and he said that I've cut off relations with you and I will not talk to you because you have recited the kalima. Ubay ibn Khalf. And he said, no, I just did it under the pressure to please the Prophet so that he could eat. But I, I, I have turned back. I'm not a Muslim. I'm, I'm on your religion. He said, no, I will never speak to you. Na'udhu billah, until you prove to me. He said, how should I prove it to you? He said, to do a very disgusting act, which is really difficult to even uh, repeat. But this is exactly what happened, unfortunately, is that he said, my demand is you go in front of everyone by the Kaaba where he's sitting and spit on his face. So he went ahead to prove it to his friend, that his friendship, he went and committed this act, which is not worthy of being repeated more than once. And after that, uh, his friend said, okay, now, now we're good, we're tight. So Allah Ta'ala revealed this ayah about that. This is in Surah Furqan, Surah 25, Ayah 27. On that day, on the day of judgment, the big zalim who committed this uh, hideous act, hideous crime, he is going to be not chewing his nails or his fingertips, but not only his fingers only, beyond that, his whole hand. So he start chewing his whole hand out of anguish. 
يقول he'll say يا ليتني أوفوا أنتم اتخذتم على الرسول سبيلا I wish I had adopted the path of Rasul صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ويلتا ليتني لم اتخذ فلانا خليلا Oh I wish I had not made so and so as my friend لقد أضلني عن الذكر he made me go astray after بعد زاني after I had adopted the right path I had adopted the right path and I was on the right path but my friend he led me astray وكان الشيطان والإنسان خذولا and شيطان is going to uh, make the human being ذليل on that day in general whenever there is an ayah that has a specific backstory as we covered before the lesson from the story the lesson from the ayah is not limited to the story but is applicable إلى يوم القيامة so over here if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took the name of Ubay bin Khalaf and Uqba ibn Mu'ayt it still would have been applicable for all of us uh, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala went out of his way to use generic terms he will say يَا لَيْتَنِي لَمْ أَتَّخِذْ فُلَانًا خَلِيلًا oh uh, woe unto me I wish I had not made fulan so and so as my friend so this even makes it more general so this is not limited to these two friends it is till the day of judgment and this is something that is a well known observable fact phenomena that so many times the friends negative peer pressure takes a person off the straight path and we've all had such friends that took us in wrong directions and we regret we make tawbah you're here and our youth also have friends and our children may Allah ta'ala protect all of us from negative friends all of these friends Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says all of the khillaf best friends they're going to become enemies of each other on the day of judgment except for those friends whose friendship was based on taqwa who is the best friend? Rasulullah gave three indications. When you see him, you remember Allah. When you hear him speak, it increases your knowledge of deen. When you see his actions, it reminds you that there is a day of judgment. If you see these three signs in a friend, that is a good friend. Somebody came to Umar bin Khattab and said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, Prophet sallallahu said, Verily wisdom springs forth from the tongue of Umar, can you give me some advice? So Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar bin Khattab told him, Hold on firmly to a righteous friend, very few you will find. He said it as a sahabi to a tabi'i. These are the best arrows. And he said, Very few friends you will find that are good. So, Al-Wahdatu khayrun min jalisi su. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Remaining in solitude alone is better than an evil friend. Wal-jalisu salih khayrun min al-wahda. And having a righteous friend is better than being alone. So, just because we are remaining alone, because we don't have any uh, good friends, doesn't mean we end up adopting bad company. Remaining alone is better than adopting bad company in the absence of good company. Many times our children or uh, girls or boys, whatever the case may be, uh, they, they want to be part of the clique, part of the group. And that is uh, a very slippery slope. Rasulullah said, Al-Maru ala dini khalili. A man is on the deen of his friend. man So everyone should be careful who he adopts as his friend. After that, ayat 30 is an ayah that is very often quoted as well as a reminder for us about Rasulullah complaining to Allah on the Day of Judgment. وَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ The Rasul will say, Ya Rabb, O my Rabb, إِنَّ قَوْمِ اتَّخَذُوا هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ مَهْجُورًا My nation after me, they turn their backs away from the Qur'an. So this is Rasulullah complaining to Allah about the Ummah who have abandoned the Qur'an. We have to make sure we are not amongst them because the Qur'an will be testifying. حُجَّةٌ لَكَ Quran will be testifying in your favor or against you. So may it be testifying in our favor and definitely not against us. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after that at the end of Surah Furqan there's a very beautiful passage I will not go through all of it just highlight it where Allah ta'ala mentions the attributes of the Ibadur Rahman you may have heard this Ibadur Rahman alladheena yamshuna ala al-ardi hawna this starts from ayah 63 till the ayah 77 the beautiful servants of the Rahman and there's uh, worth looking into Surah Furqan Surah 25 from ayah 62 till the end or 63 Ibadur Rahman the slaves of the Rahman who are those yamshuna ala al-ardi hawna they walk humbly on the earth. When the ignorant people try to drag them into conflicts, they say salama, peace, and get away from there. They do not engage with them. In the nights they spend in sajda and qiyam. There's a long series of beautiful attributes. One specific thing mentioned here is at the end, 74, ayah 74, they are those who make this dua. Which dua? This is a dua for family members. We should all learn. Rabbana hablana min azwajina wa thurriyatina qurrata a'yan waj'alna lilmuttaqina imama. That, O oh, Rabb, hablana min azwajina. Uh, anyone who has any difficulty at home, uh, 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 which is probably all of us have some level of uh, difficulty, uh, or one who are completely, absolutely happy as well to ensure that they remain happy. We all need the dua. Like ihdina sirat al-mustaqim, even the anbiya used to make dua for hidayah. We always needed hidayah. So likewise, we always need help of Allah to maintain our marriages or to preserve them. This is a very, very beautiful dua taught to us by Allah in Surah Furqan 25, Ayah 74. وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ Those who say, رَبَّنَا هَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا O Allah, grant our spouses وَذُرِّيَاتِنَا and our children. Dua for spouses and children. Make them قُرَّةَ ayun, The coolness of our eyes. Make them the coolness of our eyes. قُرَّةَ ayun. Qurrat al-ayn is the coolness of the eyes. Qurrat, like Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, The coolness of my eyes, Allah is placed in salah. Ya Bilal, arihna bi ya Bilal. Give us comfort, O Bilal. Call the adhan so we can pray. So he says, um, Allah Ta'ala says, Make our spouses and our children qurrat ayn, the coolness of our eyes. Waj'alna lil muttaqina imama. And make us the imams and leaders of the muttaqin. Not just minal muttaqin, some of the muttaqin, amongst them, one of them in the back line. No, minal muttaqin. Muttaqina imama. Make us the imams of the muttaqin. Not only if we are muttaqin ourselves have taqwa, but we inspire others to have taqwa. Then Surah Al-Shu'ara, Allah Ta'ala speaks about the story of Musa alayhi salam, Ibrahim alayhi salam, different anbiya alayhi salam, um, that we have talked about in different surahs as well. At the end Allah Ta'ala, uh, just skipping over the whole surah pretty much, He mentions about the poets and lyrics, those who write songs, that were applied to today as well. Allah Ta'ala says, about them, he, in, in, in a very negative light, he talks about these poems, uh, these, those who are writing these songs. Uh, because the context of this is, the mushrikun were saying to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, were calling him that you're a shire, you're a poet, and shaitan comes upon you. So Allah Ta'ala says, no, shaitan doesn't come upon Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This Quran is a revelation from the Lord of the worlds. It's not, it's not some songs. نَزَلَ بِهِ الرُّوحُ الْأَمِينَ Ruhul Amin, the angel Jibreel is descending upon Rasulullah Where does he descend? With the wahi. عَلَىٰ قَلْبِكَ Right on your heart. نَزَلَ بِهِ الرُّوحُ الْأَمِينَ عَلَىٰ قَلْبِكَ On your heart. لِتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُنْذِرِينَ So that you can be a warner. عَلَىٰ بِلِسَانٍ عَرَبِيِّمْ مُبِينَ With a pure uh, uh, Arabic language. So, don't call him a poet. Don't say he's writing songs and lyrics. And then they said, no, you know, this is shaitan coming upon you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, look, you want to know upon whom the shayateen are coming? Hal unabbiyakum? It's a question. Should I not, you want me to tell you? Literally, that's what it means. Hal unabbiyakum? Ayah 221. You want me to tell you? 
Alaman tanazzalu shayateen. Where are the shayateen coming upon? Who are they coming to? Tanazzalu ala kulli afakin athim yulquun as-sama'a wa aktharum kathibun wa shu'ara'i tabi'un ghabun. These people who are writing all these uh, um, lyrics for these raps and, these rock and songs and pop music and metal and all of this haram stuff. Yeah. They're the ones receiving inspirations from shaitan. Not Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّهُمْ فِي كُلِّ وَادِيهِمْ Don't you see them? They are going in all of these different valleys in, in their imaginations. وَأَنَّهُمْ يَقُولُونَ مَا لَا يَفْعَلُونَ They make claims of doing such things which they never did. They are, they are lying and they are fabricating things. Um, so they have all kinds of, of objectives. Sometimes they are flattering the kings without believing it just to get awards from them. Sometimes they are coming up with absolutely devilish satanic stuff. Some of these... Um, uh, songs, uh, uh, you know, the, just the lyrics themselves, it's with the music component is haram, the dancing component is haram, the suggestive moves within are haram, and all. But the lyrics themselves have complete, some of them are, uh, are straight up shaitanic things. Like, like open devil, devilish peop, uh, stuff that they are saying. And since they, they, these like dark metal bands, etc., they are um, biggest uh, enemies of, of, uh, of any form of revelation, Torah, Zabur, Injil, Quran. So they, they desecrate the Quran in, on stage. They do all kinds of shaitanic things that, uh, again, should be not worthy of repeating. On purpose, they are. Like the Book of Allah, even the Bible, in the cross, whatever, they, they do all kinds of um, perverted behavior with those things. And um, in different countries in Europe, these people, they even burn down like churches, burn down synagogues. Burn. So it's not just Islamophobia against Muslims, against any form of religion. Worshipping shaitan, they do abadatu shayateen, worshippers of the devil. These are the army of Dajjal. So the, Allah Ta'ala speaks about them. The, but when the wording is about shu'ara, poets, so they are, they're not all uh, devilish worshippers, and they're not all in haram. There is some good poetry too. So there is an exception. There is an exemption mentioned. There are a few poets who actually have iman and do righteous deeds. So Allama Iqbal or this one or that one, they are you know, not praising Rasulullah There is that, the ayah number 227, the last ayat in fact of the surah, Allah Ta'ala says, there are a few. And they remember Allah Ta'ala, when they are being attacked by the mushrikeen in poems, in poetry, they're responding to that. So who was that? They were, that was Hassan ibn Thabit, Ansari radiallahu ta'ala an, and Abdullah ibn Rawaha radiallahu an. There were other poets among the Sahaba, few of them, that they would be responding to the attacks of the mushrikun. And these mushrikun from Makkah were attacking the lineage of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa attacking his family, and attacking his personality through poems. So they would be refuting that back in poetry. Poetry in, in response to poetry. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam invited Hassan bin Thabit anhu to sit on the member in the Muslim Nabi and said, Qul, respond, O Hassan, وَرُوحُ الْقُدْسِ مَعَكْ May Jibreel Alaihi help you. May Jibreel Alaihi inspire you to respond to them. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked Hassan bin Thabit, O Hassan, when they would attack each other, they would attack each other's family. But the sad tragedy is these people who are attacking me, they are from the Quraysh and I am from the Quraysh. So how are you going to attack their family without, and without hurting me as collateral damage? I am from the Quraysh too. I am from the Banu Hashim. So Nabi Sallallahu uh, so uh, said that, Ya Rasulullah, uh, I will take you out, you know, the way like a hair is taken out from the, from the dough. Just, I will smoothly take you out from the attack and I will destroy the rest of them.
Subhanallah. So there are many poems of Hassan that this is the naat in the praise of Rasulullah he sang in the presence of Rasulullah So he's addressing him in the second person because he's sitting in front of him. So this is a poem of Hassan bin Thabit Ansari in the presence of Rasulullah More beautiful than you My eyes have never glanced on anyone More handsome and beautiful than you No woman has given birth to anyone You have been created pure from all defects as if that you have created you have been created based on your own design as if you have been created so perfectly as if you had an opportunity to custom design how you would like to be you have been created the way you would love to be this is how he was praising and Abdullah bin Rahmah also his qasida this is in Sahih al-Bukhari it's an authentic narration Arana al-Huda ba'd al-Ima O Nabi you showed us this path of guidance بعد al-Ima when we were blinded by ignorance and shirk فَقُلُوبُنَا بِهِ مُقِنَاتٌ أَنَّمَا قَالَ وَاقِعُ Now our hearts have full conviction that whatever you have said will definitely come to pass so Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also he mentioned about some poetry he said إِنَّ مِنَ الْبَيَانِ لَسِحْرًا إِنَّ مِنَ الشَّعْرِ لَحِكْمًا that some ability to speak in bayan is so powerful in, in its eloquence it's like sihr it's like magic some people have such a magical way of speaking, of uh, impressing upon the crowd and in taking their emotions uh, to the next level. And he said, Some of the words of poetry have wisdom. And Nabi Wasallam quoted a poet. He himself, He wasn't a poet, but he quoted poetry. And he said, In Tirmizi, this is a narration, that one of the... Um, truest statements that a poet has had is the statement of Labid. So Labid was one of the great poets of the Jahiliyyah. And he won the competitions. In Ukaz, in Majinnah, these there were these uh, markets in Hajj, in Mina, where they would have a competition amongst all the tribes of Arabia that, whose poems are the best. And they would be judged. And after the winners, there would be seven winners, they would, their poems would be hung in the Kaaba. So they are still studied uh, when we study the pre-Islamic literature. So when you study Arabic literature, there's pre-Islamic literature, Jahili, Ash'ar poems, then Islamic era, then Banu Umayya era, Abbasi era, and the, the different eras of, the, of literature, how the literature has evolved, both the prose and the poetry. So in the Jahili uh, literature, then these are known as Al-Mu'allaqat, Al-Sab'ah, the seven poems that were hung. Imrul Qais and Labid. Most of them are about, you know, these type of things that he's talking about. All kinds of haram stuff. Because Jahili, Jahili era. But one of the poems that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi himself quoted was of Labid, in which he said, Ala kullu shay'in ma khalallaha batilu, wa kullu na'imin la mahalata za'ilu. He said, Ala kullu shay'in, Ala verily, kullu shay'in, everything ma khalallaha, besides Allah batilu. At the end of the day, it's batil. It's Every blessing of this world that we're so attached to. Most definitely one day will come to an end. So that's true. You know, no one can deny death. It's what happens after death because this is from Jahiliyyah. He's just saying everything of this world will come to an end. Now we know that there is a life after death. 
We have to prepare for that life. That whole concept of the akhirah and preparing for the akhirah was not there. But he was uh, talking about the pain of this world. Now the reason he is having that pain, he lost his beloved or whatever, there's a whole background story. That's why he's so sad. He's expressing his sadness. Well, he's saying, okay, I lost her, then I'm going to lose everything anyway. <laughs> he's dealing with his pain of the poet. But that, that's where, you, you know, the one line Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam took out from the long qasida. And he said, that's true. Kullu na'imin la Every blessing of, of this world will come to an end. But the blessings of the hereafter, of Jannah, will not come to an end. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala protect us from the harms of music. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Al-ghina yumbitun nifaq fil qalb. Music, it creates hypocrisy, makes the hypocrisy grow in the heart. Nifaq. Kama yumbitun ma'u The way the water makes the crops grow in the field. So the more music we are listening to, or our youth are listening to, uh, uh, that is creating hypocrisy in the hearts, making the hypocrisy grow. It's in Sahih Hadith. Now we're living in such a time where Islamic conferences, in the entertainment night, they have full-on musical concerts. With, uh, if the, when the male is singing on the stage, the girls are screaming. And when the female is singing on the stage, the male are screaming. Or actually, it could be whatever, either way, both ways in, in this day and age. But the youth are screaming, and there's like full-on... Uh, instruments and like dance and music but that's that's happening other places from a long time maybe happening at weddings whatever that's bad enough but now it's happening part of the Islamic conference so this is darkness is upon darkness this is in Surah An-Nur we covered it we just skipped it in fact when he takes his hand out he can't even see his hand because it's so dark. If Allah doesn't create nur for you, there is no nur for you. So there's so much darkness that it's considered an Islamic event with such entertainment where it's considered absolutely haram. Surah Luqman tonight, which you didn't get to, there's an ayah about music. This ayah is about music. One of the mushrikeen, he brought... He said, oh people, you're so attracted to the Qur'an. So he brought some slave girls who were, you could sing really well uh, from Syria. And he created a musical um, show. And he said, don't listen to the Qur'an. Don't fall into that trap of that magic that Muhammad has. Listen to this music. So he was directly trying to mislead people, take people away from the Qur'an towards the music. And Allah Ta'ala speaks about that in the Surah Luqman. You can look it up. He wants to take people astray from the path of Allah. Through music. I mean, there's so many ayats about it, so many hadiths about it. It's not a debatable matter. But the thing is, if we want to follow our nafs, then, and if you want to somehow Islamize it, I'm not even sure how you can do that. It's, uh, it's really, um, I'm fail, I fail to understand how it can be Islamic. You know, you do it as a sin and say, Astaghfirullah, yeah, but whatever, it's a shadi, and whatever. That's still better. But now, on top of that, we are making it Islamic. And that there's really no excuse for such behavior. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide all of us. Protect us from the harms of music. Wa akhir da'wan alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.